0: Welcome to Continual Gift of Self, the podcast of talks, fervorinos, and homilies from Loper Catholic and the St. Teresa of Calcutta Newman Center. You can learn more about St. Teresa's and the Lord's work on the college campuses in Kearney, Nebraska, by connecting with us on our website, lopercatholic.org, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages with the handle at Loper Catholic. Now, enjoy this installment of Continual Gift of Self, and please pray for us. God bless. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, Holy Spirit enter into this room and into this space and into our hearts, that we may walk ever closely with you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. amen, amen and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit amen so um Yeah, kind of wanted for tonight to get the opportunity to share a little bit of my story um, and my testimony, but also wanted to do it in such a way as to invite you guys into entering into your story a little bit as well. So I want you guys to think, close your eyes if that's helpful, um, to think for a second about a childhood memory of yours, something that you, maybe it's like a fun game that you used to play on the playground or something that you and your siblings used to do. Or maybe it's just like, what did your childhood bedroom look like a little bit? So hopefully everybody's kind of got an idea in their head. OK, you can open your eyes. So I wanted to say that mostly just we all started somewhere. Um, and our childhoods, in a lot of ways, are really, really important to us. And so. For a little insight into what my childhood looked like, I am the third of four girls. I grew up outside of Chicago, Illinois, and I was the tomboy of the family more than anything else. So, that meant that played in the mud, played a lot of sports. My, I have a collection, still have it, of matchbox cars, and I was the type of person that would like tuck them into bed and things like that. Um, You know, take care of them. Um, I had this Like big dump truck, which is arguably the coolest toy I've ever gotten. It's like yay big by yay big by yay big. And um, it'd be the type of things that like siblings would sit in and would like drag along the driveway and then like whip them around so that they tipped over and and fell and things like that. Um, And I say that and like I bring that up of, yeah, our child is so important. And when you reflect on it of um, this goodness of, like, this innocence of where we began, um, and then, yeah, when I think about, because I was a testimony, where my life is, and where the Lord has taken me from my creation, my existence as a kid, um, and how it's, like, looked as he's pursued me since then, so I grew up in a Christian home, um, I grew up Protestant, and that meant a lot of, going to church and that kind of thing. Um, went to a private Christian school. And, yeah, with um, being raised in a Christian home, um, faith was talked about a little bit um, growing up. And, um, yeah, so it was, like, something that was like, really important to me. Um, but it wasn't, like, every day, like, all of our conversations. Um, it was kind of a... Oh, does anyone remember what the pastor said um, on Sunday? Or does anybody, or what did you learn in like your Bible study class or something like that? Um, but what my parents did emphasize a lot with our faith was almost this like appeal towards beauty. In the sense of my, I'm going to say that a lot, in the sense of, in light of, just <laughs> bear with me, it's the way I talk. Um, in the sense of my parents loved to take us out to travel. And so every single summer, my parents made some sort of commitment to uh, taking us on a camping trip. This was back when gas was cheaper and campsites were cheaper and you could pitch a tent for like 30 bucks for a week type of thing for a family of six. And so in the same way that you guys like sat and reflected on your childhood memories, I want you guys to think of a time where you've been in nature. And it's truly like captivated you in some way, shape or form. So maybe it was a family road trip or maybe it was you went to the mountains one time or maybe you really love the ocean. So take a second as I sip water because my mouth is really dry to think about a moment like that. The memory that comes to mind specifically is We went on a camping trip, upstate New York, it's where my dad grew up. And it was kind of our last camping trip until my sister was gonna like graduate college. We were like, who knows what's ever gonna happen again, that kind of thing. Like a last hurrah for the family. And so, went up to upstate New York. And I don't know if you ever have like really overambitious parents who are like, oh, this hike is gonna be so easy, it's like a mile. It's not that steep, it'll be fine. And then you start walking and you're like, father, this is a staircase the whole entire time. It was an hour long hike and you're like, I think I'm gonna die. Anybody else have parents like that? Is it just me? Okay, cool, thank you John, appreciate the support. (laughs) Um, So we start going on this hike and it's like, it's a, we're climbing up a mountain and there's like trees and everything like that. So you can't see anything. You're like, what am I climbing towards right now? And so it's just like literally staircases. When I say like boulders this tall and you're like, okay, I'll climb up and I'll get there. And you're like rock climbing a little bit. You're like, I don't got the gear for this or I'm in my sneaks kind of thing. Um, And I remember we get to like the top. So it was over the course of, I don't know, it was like maybe 2,000 feet in elevation gain. So a lot to be hiking. And you're like, this is not an easy walk, dad. Um, And we get to the top. And all of the trees fall away. And we're at the top of this mountain, and you can just see for miles. And it was one of those things that, like, I sat there and I was like, oh, I'm just absolutely captivated. Like, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you're like, shoo. I just, like, don't have any words at all. Like, I wish I could describe to you what I saw right now. Not an author, not really much of a public speaker, so it was really cool. That's what I have to tell you. Um, and so, like, this was kind of my experience of, yeah, beauty and my um, faith was just getting to like go outdoors and go camping a lot. And so, with that, to then transition into what college looked like for me. So, like John said, graduated from Wichita State, Go Shocks, um, and. Upon entering into college, had a desire to pursue my faith in some way, shape, or form. Wasn't sure what that was going to look like. Kind of far, like found a group-ish. Um, but also found a really cute guy who was Catholic. So that is kind of like the start and the transition to my story. Um, we met on the first day of school-ish, give or take a couple days. And I remember just like, being really captivated by... Um, what he had to share um, particularly in the fact that I really really love to argue with people and so I would defend the Protestant faith and he would defend his Catholic faith and we would just argue back and forth and I was like this is so fun get to do this all the time super cool and um, yeah with that and obviously I'm Catholic now I'm a Catholic missionary in case you didn't put that together um, and how I I got there was kind of realizing this like ache in my heart, because it's like, yeah, I can experience this goodness and this beauty and the innocence of my childhood. But it wasn't all like sunshine and roses, and it wasn't all good. And what I realized um, in college specifically, and how I got more intrigued in the Catholic Church, was realizing that there was like a longing inside of my heart in some ways. Um, I had a desire for deep, deep intimacy. Um, I had a desire for the beauty within me to also be like revealed and recognized, and I had a desire for truth. And so, with these kind of desires and pursuing more of the Catholic Church, I was like, "If this is where the Lord's calling me, surely, surely this is going. like going to fall into place." Um, and I believe. In the fullness and the goodness of the Catholic Church. And in that, knowing that the devil is going to try and attack those spaces, um, and knowing in my own story the ways that he did that, was the attack on those desires for those three things. So as I sought truth within the Catholic Church, I um, yeah, became really convicted of the Eucharist and the papacy, not going to dive super, super not going to dive a ton into that right now ask me about it later i'll super geek out on those two things um but as i pursued those things and basically like yeah november of my freshman year was like i'm going to become catholic which if anyone's doing the math met the guy in august decided in november i was going to become catholic it was like uh i don't operate slow uh, unless i'm running but i don't (laughs) i don't operate slow when it comes to like learning things and so Instead of, you know, being a good studious engineer and studying my chemistry or my Calc two like I should have been in the fall of my freshman year, it was like, okay, how much can I look into the Catholic Church and how much can I read? And it was like, would stay up until like one, two, three in the morning, researching everything. A little ridiculous. But came to the conclusion that the Catholic Church was right about the Eucharist and the papacy. And I was like, cool, sold bought in, I will be coming Catholic. And so in light of that pursuit of truth and making this decision, I was like, okay, this feels like the kind of decision you would like tell parents. Um, And so when I went home for that Thanksgiving, I was like, okay, I'll tell mom and dad, this makes a lot of sense. I am starting to go to RCIA, that kind of thing. Um, And in my father's defense, my delivery of the information wasn't super great. It was like I got off the phone with Kyle. Put that, that as the name of the guy. Sorry, didn't mention that. The name of the dude. Called, got off the phone. And I said, so mom and dad, Kyle wants me to tell you guys that I'm going to become Catholic. <laughs> On the list of ways you should tell your parents that you're going to make a life-changing decision like that, saying it like that is probably not the way to go. <laughs> um, and my dad's first reaction. So to paint a picture of my father, um, he's like, yay tall like 250 deep voice, like the kind of guy when I played sports would be like, "Shayna, join! you're like, yeah, I'm in trouble. Okay, <laughs> That was like to paint a picture of who my dad was. Um, and so my dad yelled, he was like, there's no way you're becoming Catholic. Um, if you become Catholic, I'm going to kick you out of this effing house. Um, and I remember just like sitting there as an 18-year-old and you're like, ugh why? And there's tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're going to kick me out of the house? I don't know what to do. Um, and my dad's like, because of their effing beliefs and Mary. And he stormed down the stairs, um, and proceeded to not talk to me for the rest of Thanksgiving. And so that was the first experience of an assault on my pursuit of truth. Um, it came at the hand of my father. And so as I dived more into my faith, and more into the Catholic Church, I was like, this is actually the right way to go. Like I never, not to my knowledge, had a particular experience where my parents had so outwardly rejected me. Um, And so it was like, Lord, is this really what you want? Is this really what you desire? Um, Because surely if this is what you want, my parents would have received me well. Um, And so, yeah, brought up a lot of conversations with my family, eventually, um, that was just like really hard and really difficult, and something I had never experienced before. And so, again, thinking of I want to, yeah, engage your story as well as my own. I want you guys to take a second um, and think about a moment where it went wrong. Um, I'm going to share two more instances: my the assault on intimacy in both beauty and my heart. Um, But I want you to think about a time where it went wrong, when maybe a friend or a family member hurt you, or maybe even it's something as simple as, like, you got physically hurt, like you broke a bone or poured boiling water on your hand or something like that. (laughs) Sorry, Megan. Um, I want you guys to take a second to sit and think, um, yeah, when was the moment it all went wrong? um, yeah, recognizing that, yeah, we, like, life's not all, like, fine and dandy, and the fact of the matter is life sucks sometimes, um, and as a freshman in college, that became a really, really big reality for me, and so this second, um, they're kind of tied together a little bit, and I'm going to be mostly vague and sharing, um, but yeah, I ended up dating somebody my freshman year of college in that pursuit of a desire for intimacy and was wanting, obviously, like someone to say, like I see you, and I know you, and you're good, um, and tried to seek that out through a man. And what it led to um, was an assault and a desire for intimacy and a desire for beauty, because I wasn't honored in that way, and I wasn't honored in that relationship. In a lot of ways, um, yeah, it broke my heart and it hurt me because I was searching for something in a person that I wasn't going to get it, wasn't going to get it from. And so I sit and I think about that, um, and recognize that like I had these three, really good, really beautiful desires, and all in the course of my freshman year were just like completely obliterated and destroyed, and was sitting there and thinking I was like. I get Like, I'm going to become Catholic because I think it's true. But I don't really know what that means. I didn't really have much of a personal relationship with the Lord. The best way to, like, describe myself um, is, so I studied engineering, got a math minor. I do logic puzzles for fun when I'm bored. Um, so I think very, very logically. And so could see that the way that the Lord pursued me first and foremost on a logical basis in that pursuit for truth. And then it was like, that happened, the really sucky first year of college happened. And the Lord was like, actually, I'm going to pursue your heart. Because the fact of the matter is, the Lord doesn't just leave us in this place of like, cool, life really sucks, tough, like, go figure it out on your own. I'm just going to leave you. Say a quick Hail Mary if you want, like something small or whatever. Like, he's not, it's not even works. That wasn't his plan for life. Um, you know, I sit and think about, you're like, Sin attacks the world and ransacks the world and takes no prisoners. But Christ says in the Gospel of John, have no fear of the world for I have conquered the world. And so this hope that there's something so much more than just like, yeah, life kind of sucks and life is, is hard and the Lord's going to lead me here. And so when I look at my own story, what did that look like? So had a desire for truth. And I think that that part of him redeeming my story came first. In as much as April 20th of 2019, I joined the Catholic Church and got to come into and experience the fullness of the truth, um, which I appreciate Al nodding in the background. Yeah, it's pretty cool. In case anyone's counting, I'm about to be a kindergartner this year. Very exciting. Um, so I think that was like the first time, yeah, I got to... Experience this redemption of the fullness of truth, and as, yeah, like I said, I fell in love with the Eucharist and the papacy, and I was kind of like, cool, bought in. I'll figure everything else out. Like, literally, it was like, I'll just figure the rest out. Um, and you like stand in front of you know the congregation and the priest, and you're like, yes, I believe in everything the Catholic Church believes, and you're like, yeah, super do <laughs> Of, it was like i I'm sure they're right. We'll figure it out. We'll keep going, kind of thing. So truth. And then looking at, yeah, my desires for intimacy and for being able to unveil my own beauty and what that looks like. So when I see intimacy, I think of two very, very different things. Um, I see intimacy in the sense of more of just like a spiritual intimacy or an emotional intimacy. Um, I have a desire to be known. That's just a That's just the nature of things. Like, I um, have a desire, like, not just to be known, but for, like, every part of me to be known and had a particular experience of this um, this past summer. So my grandfather had passed away in May, um, and in July got to go to his cottage and sit there and spend time um, with my grandma and woke up one morning took a walk on the beach. And I remember as I was walking and I was looking at the sunrise, I sat there and I was like, well, I was walking, so I was standing, stood there watching the sunrise and I was like, I could take somebody here and sit for 10,000 hours and explain to them all the little details of this beach. And they are never gonna understand the fullness of why this beach matters to me or why my grandfather ma- mattered to me, or why there's a fish with legs tattooed on my arm. <laughs> Thank you, Al. Um, it didn't matter, like, how much I sat and explained all of those things to you. You were never going to understand the fullness of my grandfather or his relationship with me. And so in this desire to be known, the Lord doesn't leave me, again, like, oh, that's tough. Sucks that you have this desire. It's like, actually the Lord desires to fulfill that desire. And he sees us and he meets us and it's like, you were known and I know you. Um, And a verse I often like to reflect on is out of Psalm 139, which if you've never read Psalm 139, I think you should just jot that down, whatever you're taking notes on. If you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes, pull out a thing to take notes, read Psalm 139. It'll just wreck you, respectfully. But these two verses, four verses, um, really like clued into this desire to be known. Lord, you have probed me. You know me. You know when I sit and I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. You sift through my travels and my rest. With all my ways, you are familiar. Even before, a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all. Behind and before you, encircle me and rest your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, far too lofty for me to reach. And as I sit and read and hear this, it's like, actually, the Lord does desire intimacy with me. And when I was searching for it in my relationship, and specifically the relationship with this guy... I was searching for something I wasn't ever going to get out of him. And instead, the Lord says, no, I see you and I know you. And when I walk the beach of my grandfather's house, he says, I remember every single experience you've had, every volleyball game, every trip out to Rock Island, every time you got poison ivy on the hill, Grandma said you weren't supposed to climb. He's like, I remember every single part of that. The other thing the Lord desires, and the part that's so cool about the Catholic Church, if you ever really want me to geek out on the Eucharist, you just let me know. I'm going to geek just a little bit, um, is that the Lord also desires like physical intimacy with us. Um, and if you've never watched The Hour That'll Change Your Life, you should probably watch it. Might change your life. Did for me, became Catholic. Um, but Father Mike Schmitz, he talks about how Christ desires intimacy in the same way that. Our relationship with people as they get closer and closer build in physical intimacy. And in the same way, if the Lord desires for us to be completely um, and fully intimate with him, that he would desire for that union. And the Lord says, this is my body, given up for you. That's not how the priest delivers it, but like, sometimes I like to think about it like that. Father hokes like, this is my body, given up for you. And it's Jesus. <laughs> It's just really cool. I just like, don't know if you ever sit in mass and you're like, oh, oh, that is so cool. It is so cool. And so the Lord's like, I desire to be physically intimate with you as well. And you're like, that's pretty hot. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. The Lord doesn't want us to like, sit in this place of sin and just be stuck. And have no way out. Um, he gave us the gift of the Eucharist as a way to enter into that intimacy with us. And I also like to think about yeah, like we, we talk about the cross. I wear crucifix on my neck, I have a crucifix tattooed on my arm. I've got a lot of tattoos. You asked me about them. Um, why is the cross important? Why? Why was it necessary? When you sit and you look at the way that sin's ransacked your life, because the fact of the matter it is, it, the fact of the matter is, is that it has. Sin has hurt us, um, and has affected us. It says in the Catechism somewhere, and if I would have I looked, I would have looked, um, but it says, the Lord created us without us. But he didn't desire to save us without us. Christ entered into this world fully man and fully God. And he came to save us and redeem us so that we wouldn't sit and sit in this sin. I don't know if anyone's ever thrown out the, the verse John three sixteen to you and you're like, yep, yep, got it. For God so loved the world, that gave us one more son. Forever in him. You know, everybody kind of knows it, Right? Because it doesn't impact us anymore. You're like, ooh, kind of platitude. You're like, no, kind of not, you know. <laughs> For God so loved the world. And it's like, we can talk in generalities, or we can talk in, like, specifics. For God so loved Ethan, that he sent his one and only son so that you would believe in him and not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved Jackie. Yeah, I see you sipping your coffee. <laughs> For God so loved Jackie. That he sent his one and only son so that you would believe in him and have eternal life. It's like, cool, we can talk about the world, but the fact of the matter is it's specific. Our God is a personal God who desires to love and to save you specifically. Save you from your sins and your hurts and the way people have hurt you. I know a couple of us spent, not last weekend, the weekend before, at the Father's house, And one of the big things that we talked about and emphasized is the fact that the Lord desires to rescue you. Desires to bring healing to you. And I've gotten to see it in a lot of ways that play out in my own life. The way that the Lord's blessed conversation between me and my dad since then. My dad does talk to me now, which is really awesome. But also, I've gotten forgiveness from my dad. And I've watched the ways that the Lord has stepped up when my dad didn't. I watched the ways when I went on the first, a father's house retreat in college for the first time. And we had a, a litany, a prayer um, about the father. And as I sat there and I was like, my relationship with my father is so good. And then I sat there and I realized that I had never gotten an apology from my dad that in my desire to pursue the truth, they'd been completely and utterly rejected. And since then, to this day, don't feel like I'm understood by my father. And I remember sitting there, and I went into confession, and my priest, love that man, Father Drew, good guy, um, went in there and I just started crying. And you know, it's going to be one of those confessions when you just can't even get to the, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. You're just tears immediately. Um and he very tenderly was like, Shana, you are so loved. And the father loves you. And the father sees the way that you are hurt right now. And he doesn't want you to sit and remain in that. And you sit there and you're like, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to believe it. And I'm going to live the rest of my life trying to believe that that's true and living my life as if it is. The fact of the matter is sometimes that reality just doesn't shake me the way that I wish it would. And so, yeah, looking at experience, our childhood, how we were created, the goodness, looking at the fact that sin's there and it exists and it affects each of our lives, and then looking at, shoot, God wasn't just going to leave us there and be chill. He was like, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. And I've got a really good plan, buckled up, just just strap in, buckle up. It's going to be great. And so you sit there and you're like, well, what do I do now? Like, I know the good news and I heard the good news. What do I do? And sometimes I ask that myself all the time. What do I do? I know that God is real. I know that he saved me. I know that he desires to fulfill the desires that I have in my heart. Do I need to become a missionary now? Trick answer. No, actually, you, you don't physically need to become a missionary like what I'm doing right now. But the fact of the matter is the missionaries ran on your heart, and through your baptism. Jesus says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a call to all of you guys. An opportunity to share what's been written on your heart. An opportunity for you to share the good news. So the fact of the matter is you don't need to explicitly be a missionary. Believe it or not. Crazy. But it's in the way that you hold conversation. Or maybe it's in the way that you answer why you've got a medal or a crucifix around your neck. Or maybe it's something even smaller than that. Like the way that you hold open a door. That you remember somebody's name. But there's also looking at them of, yes, it's going out and proclaiming the gospel. But it's also, how do you pursue intimacy with Christ? This November, if you were plugged in in any way, shape, or form to a Bible study, we've been reading through the gospel of Luke. And we've been challenging everybody to also read through the gospel of Luke every single day. The gospels... Pretty lit. And that's coming from somebody, I've said before, I'll say it again, I stay in the Old Testament, it's pretty cool. It tees up the Gospels. You know the Old Testament, the Gospels are incredible. Because Gospels are the life of Christ. And you're looking at this desire for intimacy, desire to pursue Christ, it's like, okay, let me like look at how the man lived. You know? Um, and then it's going from there, and, and it's actually like spending time with him and time in front of him. It's what does it look like? Yes, like, God knows me, Psalm 139. He knows me. But also, like, what do I clue in God into? I remember someone put it for me in this way of, like, say, hypothetically speaking, if you had heard that your best friend broke up with this guy or whatever, it's like, great, I know that that's a fact. But you'd want to hear it from your best friend not just as like a rumor around. It's like, actually, I want you to explicitly tell me. And in the same way, Christ desires that from us. In a moment, Father's going to expose the Eucharist and we'll have a time of prayer. And it's an opportunity for us to sit before Christ and share what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our hearts and to clue him in into us. Yeah, he knows. He also wants to be told by you. So you look at, yeah, what's our response to the fact that Christ came and saved saved us, saved me, Who? me. You just got to sit with that. That's really good. Um, he came and saved me. It's like, what am I going to do with it? Pursue deeper relationship with him. So the fact of the matter is an infinite god that means an infinite amount that he can love me. And so I'm just sitting here and like Lord, open the vessel of my heart so that it be bigger so that I can receive more of you. And then from there from my overflowing cup of the way that the Lord loves me, I can go out and share share the good news. For God so loved the world that he came so that I might have life thanks you Let's close in a prayer. Nice, gotcha. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, thanks. In the name of the Father, and Son, Holy Spirit, amen.